Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. You may have noticed that I stopped doing the Friday episodes. To be honest, I'm a little burnout on the podcasting end. I'm actually going to be taking a break, which you guys won't even notice because I've recorded enough podcast episodes that you won't hear a break, but a little break to be able to regroup and decide what I want to do moving forward with the podcast. I've been going at this for almost three years, actually not almost, I've been going at this for three years straight, okay? I need a little bit of a break, Um, but today you'll notice that we have a bonus podcast episode. It is from Kristen Iris, our guest for this week, and she has a little more that she wanted to share with all of you. You'll notice from time to time when there's something extra that I want to add or, you know, think is relevant or whatever... I will add a bonus pod, but do not expect a bonus pod or a Friday pod every week because that's not going to happen anymore. This girl needs a break. (laughs) All right, guys, I hope you enjoy this message from Kristen. My name is Kristen Iris. I am a film producer, a speaker, and coach who exclusively works with creatives of the Black diaspora on doing the deep work they need to, to excel in their creative work, in their life, and to have the impact that they want to have. And I want to share a little story about my experience, an experience I had working with some phenomenal coaches, but coaches who were white or had white passing privilege. And what I learned from that as far as why I will no longer hire white coaches and why I make it a mission to work specifically with creatives of the black diaspora as a black person myself. So let's take it back to November of 2017. I was in Bali for a five-day leadership workshop. It was very intensive program that we were going through. I feel like program isn't the right word, um, but it was a very intensive event and experience with two coaches that are a married couple. The wife is white and the husband is um, Maori or part Maori, uh, New Zealand, I think New Zealand or Australian indigenous. He was of the indigenous people, but he has white passing privilege. He certainly is not black, does not look black and does not experience life as a black person. Now, while I was there, this is an event that had a lot of Aussies there, a couple of Americans, but mostly it was Australians and almost everyone was white. I think there were three of us who were people of color and only two of us who were black. I was one of them. So already being in this space as a coach myself who at that time was making a shift or had recently made a shift in my coaching practice to not work with any more white individuals, but to really focus at that time on people of color is what I was saying. Now I have since evolved uh, my business and shifted my business to work with um, people of the black diaspora. So being there and being someone who wanted to and had made this shift to work with 
creatives of color or people of color specifically because there are certain things that we have to deal with that do not get addressed by coaches, um, that do not get addressed in often white coaching spaces. It was a little bit awkward for me because I was definitely getting more vocal about social justice, about racism, about white supremacy. I had already learned a lot. I've since learned even more because it has been about two years since then. Um, and that this is my work. You know, this is, this is a big part of my work is understanding these dynamics and dismantling them. So being there already in a group of some 65 odd other white people and most of them not being American. So not necessarily understanding the dynamics in America, although there are plenty of race dynamics all over the world, including Australia and New Zealand. So I was already feeling a little bit like apprehensive. Like, do I have to, am I going to have to cater what I say? Am I going to have to do a lot of explaining? Am I going to have to do a lot of emotional labor? And there was some of that, but this was a very intensive experience. Taking all of those things out, what was going on in my end, it was very emotionally intense. There was a lot of digging into our crap. There was a lot of like up and down emotions and like, you know, one moment you're feeling fine and then in the next hour you're like crying and sobbing in your seat, you know? So there was a lot going on and a lot of feeling very raw. Now, as part of this program or part of this workshop, one thing they had us do was to make an agreement with yourself that you were going to keep for the five days. And it was about exploring your commitments to yourself. So one of the agreements I made to myself was that I was going to get on the mic and say something every day for the duration of the five days. And like, so we're in this kind of banquet room with you know, chairs. And then there's, um, at the front, they had like boards and things where they were talking and drawing and, and stuff like that. So there were microphones up there. If you want to come up and say something, um, if you're, you know, they're asking a question, you're reflecting, or they're giving you like on the spot, like coaching and challenging you. So I had committed to every day, I'm going to say something. And I think it was like the third day and I, it was the end of the day. And these are like 12, plus our days that were in there. Okay. With a, a break for lunch and a break for dinner and we come back, you know, so it's the morning we break for lunch afternoon, break for dinner, and then come back after dinner for more. So very long days. So it got to the end and I hadn't said anything. So I raised my hand and I was like, can I say something? Um, I want to say something on the mic. And so, you know, they let me go up there and I took the mic instead of standing at the mic. I actually took the mic. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be bold. And, um, I, I started to, to see something. I started to kind of engage everybody in like, I was like, if you're this, please stand up or, or everybody stand up, please sit down. If you're this, please sit down. If you're, if you're blah, blah, blah. Um, and the male coach came up and took the mic. Like as I was in the middle of saying something, he took the mic out of my hand and walked back to his seat. That was like on this kind of like super low stage. And I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? And he said, he said, you have to earn it. And I did not know what he meant. I was like, maybe he means like not using the mic, but using my voice more. So I said, okay. And I turned and I started projecting louder and he goes, no, no. And I looked back at him and I was like, what, you know, like I was confused again. This is a very emotional, everybody is very emotional. So I'm also very emotional. And he goes, you have to earn it. He's like, this is too easy for you. Speaking here in front of these people, this is too easy for you. You need to, you need to speak back home. You need to go and 
put yourself in in different situations. So like I wasn't, I was like, okay, wasn't totally sure really what to do in that moment. Cause I'm literally like on stage in front of a group of like 65, 70 people. The mic just got taken out of my hand and I'm being told that I have to earn it and that this is too easy for me. So um, I said something else really quick, just like as a check-in for myself, uh, something that like a revelation that I'd had earlier in the day, something quick and sat down. And so, you know, they closed it out and they both came over to me and I was super, super emotional. I felt like really weird. I felt embarrassed. And one of the things they said was like that they were trying to cultivate a certain kind of energy in the space, especially at the end of the evening. And I was like elevating that energy too much. Now I totally get that. I totally get that if you're trying to cultivate an energy and I'm disrupting that energy by not by coming to the mic, but by coming to the mic in the way that I did, I totally get that. But there was an element of like how you can approach it that I feel like could have been done differently, especially for me being a black woman and for him being a non-black person of color with white passing privilege. So one of the things that they said as they were kneeling with me and I'm like crying is um, aside from that was, um, you know, like everybody here is, is dealing with something and every, everybody needs, everybody needs help. You know, it's not just a specific group that needs help, which was about me having previously declared that like, I really just want to work with people of color. I think I was actually saying women of color at the time. Like I really just want to work with women of color because there are certain things that they have to deal with that are not getting addressed. And I want to make sure I address that. And so they were, they were making a statement or a commentary on how everyone needs help and I shouldn't narrow it down, which to me in that moment was like, you don't understand then. You don't understand what I have to deal with. You don't understand what people who look like me have to deal with. You don't understand what it's like for us in white centered and white dominated spaces. And the other thing that he said, the, the male of the pair was I'm Maori I can't suppress you. That's, that's the, a lot of times the ways that we in America say oppressed is I find that people in like New Zealand and Australia will say suppressed. So he's like, I can't suppress you because I'm suppressed too. And I w- immediately, I was like, okay, that's not true because you're male and you're not black. You are male. You have white, you have like white, you have closer to whiteness proximity privilege. And so immediately I was like, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get that. What he just did was silencing me. I get it. If that, if I was disrupting the energy, then you can approach me in a different way. He could have come up to me and like paused me and said, Hey, we're trying to cultivate a certain energy. You're elevating that. So I'm going to need you to rein it, rein it back in. I, I'm not trying to silence you, but we're trying to cultivate a certain energy and that's being disrupted. So is there something else that you can share and maybe save this for later? Like there's any number of ways that he could have done it that was not taking the mic out of my hand and telling me that I have to earn it, which was sort of weird because it's like he was saying, he was saying this was too easy, but I'm like, but I'm up here and I'm challenging myself to actually say this thing, which was about race, that's what I was actually bringing up to the group was I wanted to say that it's challenging for me in this space because I am black and there are things that I know that other people don't experience. And for me to still have a voice, it takes an amount of like 
challenge and courage that I am, that I was dealing with at that time that I was still coming into. And especially, I mean, he didn't, I don't think he knew that I was necessarily going to go there, but I definitely, there was definitely race that had been tossed out in the part that was, that I was actually able to express before he took the mic. And so for me, especially when I'm about to go there and say something about race and having to operate in, um, as a black woman and as a black person in these white dominated spaces is really challenging to have the mic taken away is like a silencing that perpetuates racism and white supremacy. It's something that we as black folks and black women in particular have to deal with constantly is the ways that we're silenced. And that's something that is constantly happening in the coaching industry, which is white dominated, white led and white centered, which makes it white supremacist. So in that experience, like these are phenomenal coaches. The things that I learned from them have really helped me to create change in my life that I've learned things from them that I incorporate in my own coaching as well. Certain like methodologies. Of course, I bring in the, you know, the aspect of dismantling your internalized oppressions and understanding how systemic oppression is, is impacting you. But I've learned a lot from them, but it was after that experience, as phenomenal as that five days was having that experience as a black person in that white dominated space and a black woman. And to be silenced in that way, I was like, this is why I can't work with them again. Like I was still in, they had a membership group. I was still in their membership group for a couple more months. And then I stopped and I was like, you know, like I, I love them. I, I see the problem in the ways that they're operating that they don't see the things that they're excluding that are then making their coaching space as vulnerable and brave and courageous as it is. It's also making it less safe for black people and people of color because they're not addressing white supremacy. They're not addressing racism. They're not addressing people's all of their white people's um, white supremacy and racism, they're not addressing those things and they're operating in a way that sometimes perpetuates the harm of white supremacy, even though they don't intend to. And that's the important thing when you look at who it is that you're learning from, when you look at who your coaches are, this is why black people need black coaches. This is why people of color need coaches of color because we need someone who is been through our experience, who understands what it's like to navigate the world as a person of color, as a black person, and can coach in a way that does not perpetuate the same harm, that does not erase those experiences, that does not dismiss the particular racial trauma and harm that we have to deal with. That's really important to have. And in this white dominated coaching industry, we largely don't have that. Most of the the coaching trainings do not have any kind of social justice lens. And the coaches, most of the coaches are not doing their work. They're not dismantling their own white supremacy. And even those who are doing their work don't necessarily know how to really work with people of color. So it is really important for us to learn from and find coaches, leaders, teachers, therapists who look like us because that is where we'll really be able to explore deeply and not have that apprehension that I had in the beginning of the five days of like, are they going to understand if I say something about this, is someone going to give me pushback? And there was some of that, but that already makes you want to pull back. 
And when you work with someone who looks like you, who is familiar with the kind of life experience you might have, who understands the racial trauma and the impact of white supremacy, then you will be able to show up more fully and dig deeper into what's going on because you know that this person is creating a safe space for you or a space that is as safe as possible for you to show up bravely. So this is what I wanted to share, learn from, you know, my experience. Like I said, they were phenomenal coaches. They had phenomenal, um, like knowledge and things to share that really, really propelled me. But there was an element there that wasn't safe. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot continue to work with them. And I cannot continue to work with white coaches. And aside from that, I am committed to also supporting black uh, coaches and black people and black entrepreneurs. So that there's an element of that, but part of it was like for my own safety. And because I know that I need someone who's doing the work, I know that I need to work with someone who looks like me. And there is incredible, incredible value in that. So thank you so much for listening to the story. And I hope you got um, some value from it, some understanding. It's just something to think about. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.